Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Astros Baseball is brought to you by Ram Shirts. Ram Shirts offers custom printed and embroidered apparel. They offer direct-to-garment printing for small runs and screen printing for larger runs. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Ram Shirts. Go to RamShirts.com for all your custom apparel needs. Welcome to Astros Baseball, a podcast by a fan for the fans of the Houston Astros. Here's your host, Rob Fontenot. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball. My guest today has an amazing story, uh, and he came on the podcast today to share it. A pitcher in the Astros organization, Jacob Coates. Jacob, I appreciate you coming on today. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Happy to connect with Astros fans, and happy to talk to you, sir. It's quite the honor. So today's Groundhog Day, and... uh, I guess, you know, we'll find out later if we get good weather or bad weather, but I don't know. When I think of Groundhog Day, I just think about that movie. Is that kind of what you think about, too? Yes, sir. That's the very first thing, Bill Murray. And uh, Man, I just hope winter is over. I hate the cold weather, so I'm just ready for it to be done and over with, man. Get it out of here. We were talking about that last night. I said, I want to be, I want the weather to be where I'm just a little bit cold. Right. But, right. but I love swimming. I love being in the water. I do too. I do too. I don't really like pools, but I love like natural bodies of water, you know, rivers, lakes, heading to the ocean, you know, all that stuff. Uh, but anything when I have to put on like a hoodie, you know, anything more than a hoodie, then I'm, I'm already in a bad mood, you know, just, yeah, yeah. this is ridiculous. I live in Texas. This is not cool. <laughs> That's that's the way I describe it. Hoodie weather. I like hoodie weather. Yeah. Yeah. And my wife says hoodie. My wife says hoodie weather. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So where'd you grow up? I mean, you live in Texas now. Have you did you grow up in Texas? Uh yes, sir. I've lived uh two different houses. Um they were one street apart, apart from each other, a uh, little town called Shirts, Texas. Um, you know, grew up South Texas and uh born and raised about three hours from Houston and so it's kind of a dream come true to be a hometown team, if you can call it that, you know, I guess not quite hometown, but it's the closest team to me. So I'll consider it. Same for me. I live in San Antonio. Oh, okay. Very nice. Very nice. What part? 
I live uh, I on the northwest side. I live on the northwest side, like right around Highway 90, like heading towards Castroville. Okay, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. They call Sounds it good. the northwest side, but it's, I, I'm borderline like in the south because I'm, I'm almost, I'm right there at Highway 90 and only you and I and the people from San Antonio listening understand what we're talking about. <laughs> right, yeah, yep. Yeah, it's crazy. We're just kind of forgotten about down here. Yeah. So what positions did you play when you were young? I mean, like, usually the, the kids with the good arm, they put them at pitcher, third base, right. shortstop. Yes, sir. Yeah, I grew up uh, playing third base, um, you know, up until the kids, you know, started pitching. During during T-ball, coach pitched. I was always at third base because I had a pretty good arm. And uh, my dad wanted me over there to, to strengthen my arm and all that, you know. Um but I did grow up pitching, you know, once we got into it, you know, where to where the kids will, will pitch. But I just found out after I signed that my dad was like adamantly against me pitching. He was like, absolutely not. I don't want to, you know, rag out his arm and, um, you know, risk injury and all that stuff. And he told the coach um, of my, you know, I was in Pony, not Little League. Um, he told the coach, he's like, absolutely not. Don't want him pitching, you know, no chance. Um but one day he was coming, he works in Austin and he was, he was coming home from work and uh, got in a little bit of a track traffic jam. So he was a little bit late to practice and he said, he pulls up and he sees me on the mound and he goes up to my coach and he's like, dude, like, what are you doing? You know, like, I, I literally told you, like, I couldn't have been more clear. He said, the coach was like, dude, I tried, man. He's like, I, I, I didn't tell him to go. He said, all right, you know, who wants to pitch? And he said, Jake just ran over there. And he's like, and that was just now. Like, you just walked up as this was happening. You know, like, there's nothing I can do, man. We can get him off, whatever. And he goes, ah, just leave him, you know. And then it turns out, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a pitcher. You know, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. So uh, clearly made the right move there. But, uh, but yeah, I found out that I was that close to, to not pitching, you know. Who was your favorite player growing up? Uh, he's a guy named Scott Ayer. Um, he was a reliever. Um, he set the, either set the, the league or led the league that year um, in appearances for the Giants. And then the next year he got traded to the Cubs. And I grew up a Cubs fan. Um, my dad's uh, from Cardinal country, but when he moved down to South Texas in the 80s, you know, he'd come in the hottest part of the day. And um, the Cubs are playing the, the WGN game of the, of the week. And, you know, just the familiarity of, of seeing the Cubs over and over again. But um, if I had to pick one team, like I said, it'd be the Cubs, but or it would have been the Cubs. But uh, man, really, I'm just a, a baseball fan. You know, anybody who's on, I'm I'm down to watch it. And then you know, the Astros were always a, a close second because they were the closest, and I've seen way more Astros games than I've seen Cubs games. So, yeah, I was actually a Cubs fan as well before becoming an Astros fan. First time really? I went to a game, it was I went to the Astros game because it was closest. So I could see the Cubs. Mm -hmm. And then I went again just because, you know, it was fun and that was it. I switched to Astros. I mean, if there's yeah. a team you can go watch. How can you not yeah, be, absolutely. how can that not be your team, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, that's, uh, that's how I met Scott Ayer. Um, he, I, I got tickets for my birthday to go see the Cubs play the Astros and um, had a big old sign. I think it was like eight, eight years old. And uh, big old sign said, it's my birthday. It's actually hanging on my wall right now. And uh, with the Cubs logo in the middle. And uh, I was screaming this one player's name, you know, come, come sign, come sign, come sign. And he just like didn't even pay attention to me. I won't say his name, you know, but didn't pay attention to me. Just walked right past. And then um, uh, Scott Eric came up to me 
And well, he was signing everybody's autograph, you know, and, you know, working his way down the foul line. You know, we got there early before BP and all that stuff. And, uh, but when he got to me, man, he stopped and like, he would take other people's, you know, baseballs and hats and everything and, and sign those. But he was just talking to me and my little sister and all this stuff for like probably five, 10 minutes, you know, just the coolest guy in the world. I'm eight years old, uh, you know, baseballs like my whole life, you know, but he was making me feel like the major leaguer instead of the other way around, you know, just the coolest guy in the world. So uh, he was number 47. So now anytime I can, I wear 47. And that day he instantly became my favorite player. It's amazing what kind of impact these guys can have on you by just giving you a little bit of their time. I, I was at a game earlier and uh, last year, I was at a game early last year, and uh, Jake Ariette, Jake Jake Odorizzi, you, you uh, said Jake Arietta earlier. I got that in my head. Gotcha. <laughs> right, but Jake Jake Odorizzi was just down there, you know, on the fence stretching out. And I said, "Hey, Jake, how you doing?" He's like, "Hey, how's it going?" And I just love the guy now, just because he was just because he was nice and and human to me, you know. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. I think sometimes, you know, it gets lost on, on people that, uh, you know, you do it for the fans and uh, they're put on a show, you know. So I, I hope I obviously, you know, I haven't been there yet, but I hope I never get that way to where I'm just kind of like, man, whatever, kind of leave them, leave them behind, you know. Like, I hope I always remember how, how Mr. Mr. Scott Ayer made me feel. So back in high school, I got this quote from Climbing Tall's Hill. You uh, they wrote a story about you. And here, here's the quote I got from you. For me, it was extremely difficult. I was kind of passed over my entire high school career. It was kind of an uphill battle the entire time. You were on JV your junior year. So just talk about your high school career and, and why it was such a uh, a struggle for you or a battle. Um, well, um, for one, I was always undersized, you know, now I'm, I'm a fairly big dude, you know, I'm six foot six and, uh, you know, got a decent frame, but I was always undersized, um, you know, wasn't, was never very fast. Couldn't really hit, you know, I've been a, a PO truly since I was a sophomore, you know, but I only got like 19 at bats as a freshman on JBB, um, you know, and, um, you know, really struggled, never, never got any, hardly any playing time, you know, was always kind of riding the bench and um, just struggling, man, just couldn't find my way. You know, I never had anybody kind of point me in that direction um, that I worked with every day. You know, I had a coach that lived a couple doors down and, um, you know, he, he'd let me bounce ideas off of him and, you know, we talked about things, but as far as having somebody like there every day, seeing me, there's nobody really giving me any kind of direction, you know what I mean? And, um, being like, hey, dude, like, that's that's wrong. Let me take the time to, to break this down with you. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, it was kind of that that whole way, um, that way my whole high school career. Um, like I said, not only was I JV as a junior, um, but I sat the bench on JV for the most part. You know, I probably pitched in a third of the games, you know, not, not every other game. Um, you know, pretty much, again, just sat the bench and uh felt like I was passed over you know felt like I deserved to pitch on varsity and you know had had good stuff and stuff that competed with the guys who were pitching on varsity but just uh never got the chance you know um so that year you know I worked my butt off I decided you know what like screw this I'm I'm going to like I'm going to make something happen man I'm not going to let them dictate 
my career, you know what I mean? I'm not going to, you know, depend on anybody else to, for my development, you know, which I'm glad I realized early. Um, but I hit the weights and, you know, got, got a little bit or quite a bit stronger, actually got a little bit more velocity, but still didn't pitch a whole lot on, on varsity my senior year. Um, you know, I, I pitched a lot in preseason, but um, I think I only started one game during my, my senior year, like during conference or during district, I mean, and uh, that was only because, you know, the other guy was hurt and um, pitched one inning in the playoffs. We went uh, undefeated in district and then got the playoffs and we got a, we were one and done. We won the first game and then we got swept in the doubleheader on Saturday by uh, JC Young and Josh Young <laughs> from MacArthur High School. So pretty mm-hmm. tough team to, to go up against. But yeah, I only pitched one inning, um, you know, didn't have a single offer at the time of my last uh, last game, you know, didn't have a, a single offer. Uh, so yeah, I was like, hey, man, I barely played in high school. And now, you know, in a lot of ways, it looks like my career is over, you know, so yeah, it was not not fun in high school. There's there's a whole lot more. Um, man, this sucks. Man, this is rough. Than there's hey, man, this is great. I'm having a great time, you know. But you know, here I am. Yeah, I mean, this doesn't sound like a a story of a guy that just signed with the Astros on January 11th. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so how did it's how, been an uphill battle, you know? So how did you get with uh, Paris Junior College? How do they see you? <clears throat> so the shortstop from my high school, his name's Ryan Kincaid. He signed to play shortstop at Paris Junior College. And um, I did get one offer in the summer after um, my senior year of high school from another junior college in West Texas. And I was like verbally committed there, but I had never signed anything. And, um, you know, I, I hurt my elbow um, and I was, you know, nothing serious, didn't, didn't have to like have surgery or nothing like that. But had to, to rehab it and I decided to stay home and rehab it. I was like, okay, like where's the better PT going to be like in San Antonio, Texas or out in the middle of nowhere in West Texas, you know, like probably San Antonio. So I talked over with the coaches and said, Hey, you know, I really want to just rehab it here. If that's all right, you know, like I'll take classes at the local um, community college, you know, so I'll stay eligible and all that stuff, but I want to rehab it here. They're like, that's fine. You know, I come back throwing even harder than I was when, um, like I first signed, you know, and sent video over to him, like, hey, you know, call me, you know, ASAP, all this stuff. And uh, the, the short and sweet of it is, like, they told me, look, we don't have a bed for you. You know, we don't have a spot for you. And I'm like, dude, what the heck? Like, this whole time I thought I was committed, you know, I, w- I would have been talking to other schools, you know, like, all I've ever asked for is an opportunity. And I'm like, yeah, sorry, you know, we don't have it. So I tweet out the video and I'm like, you know, uh, six foot six, right handed pitcher you know, up to 89 here, uh, you know, looking for a place to play. My, uh, my shortstop retweeted it. And then the, the head coach at Paris Junior College, Clay Cox, he saw it and um, uh, ended up texting me, you know, and offers me a spot. And, um, you know, I'm like, you know, it's an opportunity. I'd never seen the campus. I'd never met him in person. Um, just had one phone call um, and I accepted the offer. Uh, it was December. I'm sorry. I left that. I was December after my senior year um, of high school. And it was like probably two, three days before we went on break. Um, so it was kind of like urgent, you know, like we got to get going. Um, so yeah, I just accepted it right there and got up there and was kind of shell shocked. But yeah, it was an opportunity. And I like to think I made the most of it, you know. How'd it go up there? You did pretty good. 
Um, yeah, I did okay. I would have uh, stretches where I was just like nails, man. Like I would just be, you know, be the guy. I was a reliever my first year, you know, ended up winning a spot and um, came out of the pen multiple times in the first inning um, with bases loaded, you know, no outs, one outs, and I would get out of it, you know. Um, and then there was times where I would come in and, you know, we're up by six. And then when I left the game, we were only up by one, you know, um, <laughs> it, was, it was either like really, really good, or really, really bad and not a whole lot in between. You know what I mean? So tell me about the day that, uh, Brent Schmidt from Houston Baptist came to, uh, the campus. Okay. Um, so he actually didn't come to the campus. Um, they were in. Nacogdoches to play um, Stephen F. Austin University. Um, and we were in Lufkin, which is probably about 30, 40 minutes from um, Nacogdoches. And uh, we were playing Angelina at Junior College. And I was the game two starter. Um, and, you know, we, we would play game one Friday, then doubleheader, game two and three on Saturday uh, when we play Angelina. And um, since I was the game two starter, I was up in the stands on radar gun and, you know, game chart and all that stuff. So I see somebody sitting there and I only have one offer um, to my name from a, a division two school in um, Arkansas. So I was like, man, like I couldn't afford to go there. I, I had already had to turn it down. Like there's no shot, you know, and it's like halfway through the season where I think this started the second half of the season and I'm kind of freaking out, you know. So I'd always heard, you know, you don't talk to scouts and blah, blah, blah. But I was like, dude, like, I'm going for it, man. Like, I'm just going to, worst, worst it can, worst that can happen is he just like, he's not here to see me anyways. Worst that can happen is he just like, doesn't sign me, you know, like, that's going to happen anyway, if I don't introduce myself. So uh, truly, I was just saying, hey, at first, you know, and I said, hey, you know, how's it going? And Coach Schmidt was a super cool guy. He's like, hey, you know, and was talking to me and all this stuff, you know, and he didn't have anything on. So I asked, you know, what school are you from? He said, oh, Houston Baptist. I said, oh, great. You know, and uh, Catcher was committed to Houston Baptist at the time and uh, or was already committed. committed. And um, I said, oh, great. You know, I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm throwing tomorrow. So I hope you come back, you know, and he looked at me and kind of paused for a second. And he was like, you know, I think I will. And ended up coming back and I had okay and okay outing. Um, there was like a couple like bunt singles and, you know, singles through the hole that got through. And, um, wasn't anything great, you know, I topped out at 84, you know, my velocity was way down in Juco, and my mechanics were all out of whack, and wasn't anything crazy, you know, I was like, yeah, dude, there's no way, like, it's a Division One school, I, I topped out at 84, and I didn't even, like, shut them down, you know, like, there's just no <laughs> way I'm getting signed, and then sure enough, about a week later, um, get a call from him and said, hey, you know, we liked what we saw, and really liked your changeup, and, um, you know, I, we're going to offer you a spot, so, yeah, uh, I was like, okay, like, absolutely, you know, and um, again, that's all I've ever asked for is just a, an opportunity, a chance, you know, I've always believed I can get guys out at the next level, uh, and I just want a chance to, to prove it to others and prove it to myself. So you kind of have a history of creating opportunities for yourself, but you also have a history of of having to overcome things. You know, you you go to Houston Baptist, your first season, you're just dealing with injuries. What, what kind of yes, injuries sir. were you dealing with? Uh, so I ended up tearing the labrum in my left hip um, on the, the last out of the fall. Um, I, that summer, you know, I redid my uh, mechanics, you know, got with a really good pitching coach named Micah Bowie, uh, former major leaguer in my area. And 
Um, not only did he help my mechanics, but he gave me a job at his baseball academy of coaching. And it was great. I didn't go ha have to go back to my hourly job. You know, I got to go coach baseball and get paid to do it. You know, I was thrilled. But anyway, got me up to 90. I came back. I was pitching really good. Um, you know, I had a, had a really good fall, you know, um, was, was feeling good. And then the last out of the fall, I come off the mound to feel the butt and um, stepped off weird, I guess, or something and uh, felt it just like shot just pain shot up you know down my leg and you know a lot of pain in my hip and i was like okay there's, there's something wrong there you know i didn't know it was that right away um but i was like oh man that hurts you know my legs are kind of kind of shaky and wobbly and uh yeah <laughs> last last pitch of the fall and then um was misdiagnosed and pitched on it all spring and um had a pretty my first few games were pretty good i pitched you know pretty good against a and m and um, got two wins, vultured two wins against Cincinnati um, in our second weekend. And, um, for for a while there, I was tied for second in appearances in the nation. So that was that was really fun. Um, and then quickly thereafter, I really started to struggle and uh, like really bad. And my appearances went way down because of it, and rightfully so. You know, I was not pitching well at all. Um, ended up shutting it down. Like, dude, my hip hurts. Something is wrong here. Um, was misdiagnosed again, but I was like, I'm not pitching until I get it figured out, man. I'm hurting, you know, and I'm not supposed to hurt like this, you know. Um, and shut it down in April and then ended up kind of having to fight and advocate for myself. Like, dude, I don't think that's right. You know, like this doesn't feel right. And then finally had the surgery on it in August of 2020 or August of, of 2019. Yeah. So your second season you had, you had surgeries, so you, you weren't going to play anyway. But that was yep. COVID wiped baseball out. So right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so you have injury so. season where you don't pitch well. Next season you don't get even get to pitch at all. But finally, your third season with Houston Baptist, you were healthy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I uh, rehabbed. You know, COVID I, was awful and is awful. Um, you know, it's it's been bad for a whole lot of people. Um, but getting to take the time off uh, was probably the best thing that could have happened to me. Um, it was absolutely a blessing uh, to be able to just come home and um, rehab and take things slow and do things kind of my way uh, without the pressure of like, man, I want to get back out there on the field and seeing everybody getting to do what you love, you know, um, always hurts, you know, if you love the game and uh, coaches being like, hey, you ready yet? Hey, you ready yet? You know, we could really use an extra arm this weekend, stuff like that, you know, um, just went home and, and rehabbed uh, my senior year or before my senior year of high school, my dad bought me um, like a weight bench and uh, rack and everything. So even though the gyms were closed, I got to, you know, still lift weights and, and he and I played catch and, you know, really ramped up and, you know, I came back and throw in, I topped out 93 um, in my last bullpen before I went back to HBU um, in the fall. So, you know, really, really got back up there and came back throwing hard and, you know, they were not expecting me. They were actively trying to kind of push me out <laughs> uh, before the season. And then I came back, you know, throwing really hard and um, slider was moving, changeup was moving. and It was good, man. I, I finally was starting to get the opportunity I wanted. Did I read this right? You had 15 strikeouts in one game. Is that a, it was a division one record? Um, it was a D division one record for HBU, but yes, sir, 15, 15 oh, okay. for the school. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because they used to be in AIA. Um, and then I think someone in AI, NAI had like 17, I think. Um, but yeah, for the division one, it was, uh, it was a school record. 
That's still a lot. That's a lot of strikeouts yeah. in one game. <laughs> yeah. You, you, had, seven, you had 79 the whole season, and you had 15 in one game. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, it was, many, it was a good game. <laughs> it was really fun. How many appearances does a, a college pitcher normally have in one year? Like, like if you're in the starting rotation? Uh, probably 13, 14. I think I had 14. Um, I started every weekend this year. So, um, yeah, however many, you know, however many I had, that was, that's the normal, um, you know, if you don't make it to the playoffs, you know, obviously if, if you make it to a regional or super regional or whatever, you know, your, your numbers go up, but for, as far as regular season, that's, that's the average. Okay. So your college career is over. No, you go undrafted. Do you think it's over? Uh, yes and no. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at my dad and my mom and dad and being like, dude, like, I don't know where this is going to come from, you know, but I feel like I can still get guys out, you know. Um, I talked to them about uh, signing up with Trent Athletics, you know, like, hey, man, I'm, I'm seeing some really, really good stuff here. Um, but, man, I don't know. You know, that's that's a, a risky move and you know, money has always, has always been pretty tight, you know, here. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fairly expensive to train with them, you know, and I'm like, I want to do this, you know, but I don't know, you know, like basically are you going to be mad at me if nothing happens, you know, like it'll, it'll kind of hurt, you know, but um, they believed in me and they're like, you know what, man, like if this is what you want to do, then go do it. And, uh, you know, they let me live at home and, you know, still pay for my, let me, let me drive their car and, you know, pay for my insurance and all that stuff, you know, so gives me the chance to, to go and, and train full-time. And, you know, I coach and, and do lessons and uh, coach a select ball team in the area, but it's not like I had to go and get, you know, even two jobs or, uh, you know, one, you know, 40 hour a week job. Like they, they let me kind of put work on the back burner to train. And um, you know, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. By far the, the best investment I ever made was sign up with Tread Athletics. So but yeah, I was thinking, man, like, I don't know, this might be, might be it, might be the end of the road here. And if it is, you know, if that's where God has me stop playing, then, you know, praise God anyway, you know, I'm still thankful. Yeah. And there was lots of times when it looked like it was over, you know, like lots and lots of times when it looked like it was over. So if this is it, then I'm thankful, you know, but I feel like he's telling me to keep playing. And so I'm going to keep trying to play. And, then, you know, here we are. And now I'm talking to you and sign with the Astros, you know. <laughs> yeah. So what did what was your uh, how what was your fastball before you went to Trent Athletics and what was it when you finished your training there? Um, so the fastest I had ever hit supposedly was ninety five. Um, a freshman took it to the wall when it hit ninety five, so it very well could have been the exit <laughs> vela. Um, but supposedly I never saw uh, the gun, but supposedly I hit ninety five on that pitch. Um, the fastest I knew I'd ever hit was ninety four. Um, but at the end of the season, I was like 90, 92, a whole lot more 90s than 92s, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was down. You know, I, I'd been up, you know, at the start of the season, I was I was doing pretty good. You know, my velocity was probably, you know, 91 to 93. But it was, it seemed like every outing, I'd, I'd lose one, <laughs> one mile an hour, you know. It's like, dang, this, yeah. this is not fun, you know. Uh, but then I get with Tread Athletics. Um, those first two months, I was staying in shape because I knew I had a couple scouts come to see me play. Um, you know, I had some, a couple of really good outings for some scouts, you know? So I was hoping like, man, please, like somebody don't sign and I'll get an undrafted deal, you know, like just, just hoping and hoping <clears throat> and wanting to stay in shape for that. 
um, but nothing came. Uh, right after the draft, I go and um, start playing the Happy League for a month, you know, and um, I was still, you know, 91, 92, top of 94. Um, then I do a deload phase, then a ramp up phase. And at, at the end of my ramp up phase, um, which read, I, uh, my first uh, time back on the mound, I get up to 98. So six, uh, six yeah. foot six, though, and 98 miles an hour. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So <laughs> that was that was really special. Um, it was just me and my dad there. Uh, we went out to where the baseball academy that I worked for used to be. And they had some dirt mounds there. I didn't even have a catcher. And, um, you know, I, my first couple pitches for like 92, 93 and a 94. And then, I, you know, take a deep breath and you can hear it on the video. And, uh, he's holding the gun and videoing for me. I'm throwing just into the fence and uh, like off the mound. And uh, I said, OK, I'm going to hit uh, 96 here. And my dad goes, no, nah, hit 97. Or I said, I'm going to hit 95 here. He goes, no, nah, hit 96. And, uh, you know, kicked my leg and, and let it fly in 98. And he goes, 98! And we're freaking out, you know. <laughs> and I drop my glove and I run around uh, the fence and, you know, come give him a hug and kind of share that moment together, you know. And, um, you know, he's always always believed in me, um, even when I didn't, you know. So something like that, to hear his voice and have that, like, memory, you know, and, and to have that memory on video is, is something I'll always be thankful for, you know, um, that, that was incredible. And it's just an absolutely incredible moment to share with them. But, um, but yeah, after that, I was sitting 95, 97, top of 98, and I've done a, multiple pins after, and, um, you know, really hoping to hopefully eventually, you know, get hit a 99 and then hopefully a hundred, you know, but, um, yeah, up to, up to 98, my dad was there and that was, that was a really good moment to share. So on Twitter, I followed Jim Stevenson, who's a scout for the Astros, and I didn't even realize it. I didn't even realize it until I was, you know, looking up things about you. And uh, but I remember this. I remember him posting this, and it was it was two days before Christmas. You know, he says if 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 you're an unsigned free agent, like post a video, and I'll watch it, and I'll get back to you if I see something. And so you you posted one, or you probably already had some on there. But talk a little bit about that, how you got, how your video got in front of Jim Stevenson. Okay. Um, so I after I hit ninety eight, I was like, okay, dude, like my stuff is there. You know, the velocity is there. Um, I want to get the ball rolling ASAP. You know, hopefully <laughs> before they see somebody else that they like who takes the last spot. And then, you know, I'm throwing hard and that's great and all, but now nobody has a spot for me, you know, before, before things progress, you know, so I, uh, I hit up the, um, the lady who runs the organization I work for, uh, the Ruffles Elite, uh, her name's Dana Little. I hit her up like, Hey, do you have any connections, um, for me to throw off a mound like at high school or, um, you know, not far from Texas Lutheran college. Like, do you have anybody that I could throw off the mound for with space behind the mound? Um, you know, so people can stand back there and see and not get blocked by a fence, you know. Uh, so she helps me out, puts me in contact with New Braunfels High School. Um, the coach there, his name's Coach Bobby Alford, um, puts me in contact with him. He lets me come out and, you know, set up a tripod and throw off his game mound. And um, I catch her that, that works in an organization. His name's Colton Parrish. Um, he caught at TCU for a year. Then he played at St. Mary's. And uh, he came out and made me look really, really good, you know, and he's by far the, or not, I guess not by far, but one of the best catchers I've ever thrown to, you know, uh, very, mm -hmm. very talented. 
uh, and, uh, you know, had the gun there and, uh, got up to 98 again and, um, send out the video and put it on Twitter, you know, and I had a you know, handful of other scouts, other scouts come out to see me and, um, kind of take a flyer on me, but nobody had, you know, pulled the trigger on me yet. So, um, I saw the tweet from Jim Stevenson. So I, his DMs were open and, um, I sent him the tweet that I had posted and uh, said, you know, hey, here's my story. I'm six foot six, 235, uh, right-handed pitcher. You know, I've been up to 98, said 95, 97. Uh, you know, my slider has been 83 to 85. Change-ups 87 to 90, you know, like I said, look, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, if, I, if I'm bothering you, I know I'm not um, draft eligible, which is what his tweet said. But I said, you know, I've been up to 98. And I just want to keep playing baseball, sir. So I got no reply. And uh, – for for a long time and i was like okay like <clears throat> he probably just like was like yeah whatever dude like i said draft eligible <laughs> you know like can you not read you know uh which would have been totally fine you know but i was like man i'm gonna i'm gonna take a shot you know um so a couple days or like a day later he likes the message but he didn't reply so i'm like okay so he's seen it so i start sending more video you know um twitter kind of ruins the quality on the video and um from one of the angles my dad is filming with an iPhone from behind a screen um, and you can't really see the gun, you know? So I'm sending message, sending videos of me over to him, you know, that same video. And I had stuff from behind me uh, that just didn't have the radar gun in it. And I just keep sending it, sending it, sending it, you know, like, you know, I'm just hoping either he's going to tell me, Hey, you look good. And we want to sign you. Or he's going to say, dude, you're bothering me. Stop messaging me and, and block me on Twitter, you know, but <laughs> I just wanted a reply, um, you know, like to know either way. And, um, you know, he said, Hey, you know, really like what we saw, um, you know, going to set up a, a bullpen for you with, um, you know, some, some of the area scouts and, uh, see what we can do and have, have you come throw for us. And, uh, he set it up and I came in and threw up at HBU, um, for the, the area scout and, the the scouting director, um, I would say the names, but last, last I was told was not to say the names. So, uh. I'm not gonna not gonna name drop them, you know. Uh, but I do want to give them credit and, and give thanks to them. Um, so if they're listening, thank you. Um, but yeah. through uh, pretty well. Uh, I was like 95, 96, and had some really good movement on my slider, but it was up. And I remember like halfway halfway through the bullpen, like dude, like yeah, I'm not getting signed here, you know. Like my slider's <laughs> not where it needs to be. My changeup was pretty good, but my slider wasn't where it needed to be, you know. And I was like, yeah, there's no shot. But said they really liked what they saw and. Um, next day they, they called and offered me a contract and uh i was like yeah uh, absolutely you know i said let me just please just give me a couple days just to pray on it you know um just want to make sure i'm good with with god and you know not just doing this for me you know but i, I want to do everything for his glory so please you know no disrespect but can i please have a couple days to, to pray on it? like absolutely you know like do what you need to do and shortly thereafter i said hey you know i'm, I'm ready to go and uh yeah now I'm an Astro. Where did you sign the contract with them? Did they go to your house or you went to Houston or what? Yes, sir. I went to Houston. Um, I got to get to sign it in the, in the stadium. So that was, that was pretty special. So what's next for you? Just waiting for them to tell you to go to spring training? Yes, sir. Just waiting, um, which has kind of been my whole career. It's just waiting and uh, waiting for God to kind of put something in my, in my path here. But you know, now I have something in my path. Um, just waiting, staying in shape. I got a, a little like low effort bullpen, 
later today, kind of touch and feel stuff, um, slider design stuff, and um, staying in shape and hopefully go out there and let it eat. And hopefully they like what they see and they keep me in the organization, you know, <clears throat> don't want to get cut. Yeah. Well, so far, you know, you're, you're persevering and uh, I wish you luck, man. And I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. There's times you could have given up on your dream playing major league baseball and you never did. And now you play with the best team in the world, the Houston Astros. <laughs> you play with sure. the closest team to your house. Your family can just drive over there and watch you. And um, I wish you luck, man. And I really appreciate you coming on. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. I've, I've really enjoyed uh, talking with you. And thanks for letting me get let, letting me get to tell my story. Um, you know, if there's anybody out there listening, man, like, Something I realized is, and nobody gets to decide when you stop playing baseball. Um, only you get to decide that, you know, and that, that includes mom and dad. Um, obviously, it makes it easier if, if you have the support there. But if you don't feel like you're done and God's telling you, you know, I don't think you're done, then my advice would be to, to keep at it until you, you kind of get that word, you know. Um, keep trying, trying, trying until someone says, hey, man, we're just don't have a jersey for you. So that would be my advice. All right, Jacob, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. And uh, we appreciate all of you who listened today. And we'll see you next time on Astros Baseball. All right. Thank you, sir. Go Astros. Thanks for listening to this episode of Astros Baseball. Be sure to subscribe to be alerted when there's a new episode. Follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Fontenot. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corian's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corian.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corian.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.